0: Hello, everyone. This is Andre and this is, I think it's the fifth episode of the localization podcast. So welcome everyone. Um, How would I start? I think maybe I would start by saying that <laughs> the previous episode, I shared it, and I published it on I think it was Thursday or Friday, I think maybe even Friday, so I was late by few days. I think that originally in the description of the podcast, I promised that the podcast is regular and is and you can get the new episode every Monday, so I was late by a few days, and the reason for that was that i um one week ago, which was Sunday. So by the way, I'm recording this on Sunday, and it's already 10pm. So one week ago, I went to a dance audition. And because I was like really into it, and I was really lucky with the with the song that we danced to uh, the rest of the day, I just spent, you know, like listening to the song and thinking about dancing. And I just couldn't focus on anything work related. And then Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, I just uh, try to be a bit more social. And I went out with my colleagues on two different days. So again, I kind of discovered for myself that I am very bad at mixing these three things that I have to juggle, which is kind of like dancing, um, relationships and work, or just creating content. So when I start doing something, I find it like very difficult to switch to the other thing with full focus. Um, So yeah, I was late uh, with the release. And now I'm trying to get back Uh, to schedule and maybe I'll switch the weekly release to Tuesday. Um, I think I still remember that when I was checking like what are the best days to post on LinkedIn, which I think is still the main uh, platform where I should be sharing the podcast. And I think uh, that in that article, Uh, It was said that Tuesday, Wednesday and Thursday are usually the best during the lunch period. So I assume that Monday is not the right one, because people are probably recovering from the weekend, or they have too much work. And on Friday, they're like a bit more lazier, so they don't have uh, that much interest in going to LinkedIn. So I think I'll try to do the next post on Tuesday, which should give me enough time, since it's Sunday. And if I finish this one, today, hopefully, I'll do the editing as well. So tomorrow, I'll prepare the the quick copy. And on Tuesday, uh, I can release it and then hopefully continue with my regular schedule. Although I think I released this the last one episode four, I think it was on Friday, and it got like pretty decent amount of views compared to the previous one, which I think was getting the views pretty slowly. But I'm not sure if it's because if it might be related to the to the to the image that I attached to it, because the previous one was 16 to nine format, and this one was a square format. And it was with the new picture, which is like much more positive uh, than the previous one, where I was kind of like, picking my nose, at at least according to one of my colleagues. And so that may be a factor as well. Anyway, I don't want to prolong this any further because I think I'm already a little bit warmed up, warmed up. So let's get right into the content. And for the last week, I think maybe it was, is it week 31 or week 30? I think it's probably week 31. So once again, there's not much on Slater. And let me get my notes. Uh, Most of the articles, again, once again had to do with M&A business, IPOs, investment, stuff like that. So it's pretty boring. But once again, the social media came to the rescue. And there were a lot of interesting pieces shared on social media. But here we go. Slater, I'll just try to go quickly. So the first article was uh, talking about acquisition on the German or Swiss market. I'm not even sure. Uh, but the most important information that I noted down from that article was that there are 750 LSPs in German and Switzerland. So the market is pretty fragmented, and I had no idea about this. Second article was about a company called Lingua Custodia. And this is the one for which I took. Um, most of the notes. And I learned again something new. And this is a company that is specializing in financial machine translation. So pretty much every week we talk about machine translation. And this is the first time that I kind of discovered that there is a company that specializes on a certain industry. Um when it comes to machine translation. So I didn't know like what what the other companies do, like if they're trying to put all their translations kind of like, uh, across different industries, uh, and they try to feed the the same model. Maybe that's what Google did. And I think I mentioned this in either the last episode, I think maybe no, I think it was two episodes back when I talked about Google's massive multilingual uh, NMT, which is just one model for all languages. So I would assume that they fed all the data that they had. So these guys are probably focusing on financial, not probably, uh, they are doing it, they're focusing on financial translations only, and they're feeding the data into the into the engine. So my question as I was reading this was like okay so does it mean that there is like market for different uh empty providers are they called that way empty providers um for different for different um industries like could there be like a I don't know medical focused MT could there be like a tech focused MT Mm, legal focus empty, I don't know, I didn't do the research. So that's a shame on my my, my part, I'm not a good reporter. But this is just like the first thoughts that I had when I was reading this. And let's say that like you're like a big company, let's say like Moravia and LSD. So you have clients across different industries. Wouldn't you then have the same I mean, not the same data, but access to like a lot of data across different industries. And you could train like your own industry specific models. Or do the clients want just a model that's trained on their own translations? I have no idea. I have no idea. Hmm. Okay. So going back to the article, I have two interesting quotes, I think they were provided by the CEO of uh, this company. And they said that their machine translation engine is specifically designed for investment finance, and corporate finance. They also said that uh, there's a strong interest for the main specialized empty. And this I can read empty, empty services, empty services. Yeah. Okay. So I'm just I'm just thinking about right now. (laughs) Like, should I start like, uh, oh, gaming? Hey, that would be Ideal for me, should I should we just like start right away like m t company that's focused on game um game translations only <clears throat> or for example, like if you are a gaming uh translation company, can you leverage your data and build like m t for that? I don't know a lot of questions, <laughs> no answer. The next number three, the article number three was about some new hires across different um, companies, and my comment is meh. <laughs> so I don't know what the article is about. Like, if these are like new people that were hired into localization coming from different industry, because I know that some of them were uh, would fit that pattern. Um, but they were usually like, um, I don't know, like a director of sales, business development, marketing and stuff like that. I know that one of the guys was talking about digital marketing. So that was a little bit interesting, but it was nothing new. Um, article number four was about Flito. So I think that's a Korean company that I mentioned probably in the second or third episode, I don't remember anymore. And these guys have, and I remember this very well, these, these guys have kind of like a uh, translation services where you can like request something. But the smart thing about that is that every translation that goes through their platform is then used to uh, train well actually they're not training uh their NMT. I think their main business is from reselling the uh, language data to AI and MT companies. And I think the article was about their IPO, so that that is not very important. Article number five This was about the government awarded contract in UK uh, for language services. I think it was worth around 3 million USD or something like that. And it was split um, across nine LSPs. And that's about it. And the last article number six was about certain merger in Estonia. Okay, that's it. Nothing very interesting, nothing very practical for us. Mm, and Maybe I'm thinking like maybe I should just, I'm not sure like if the direction of this podcast is actually correct. Um, it's still good for me because I get to practice my speaking. Which, by the way, I should have brought up right at the beginning, so that people who listen to this for the first time are not surprised or don't have like high expectations because this is really mainly just me talking to myself about what I see on the internet, what I see in the social media, what captures my attention, and I'm just recording this and sharing, and hopefully. Maybe somebody will find this useful eventually anyway, now that I adjusted my position <laughs> um let's go talk about the social media <sighs> Facebook again, I mentioned it several times. that one is pretty much that, so there's nothing um. Nothing valuable happening there, so I totally skipped it. Then, Reddit, I mentioned that we got like a new moderator on the localization subreddit last week, and he promised that he will try to like each week share something interesting. But so he did post something, I saw something on Reddit, but it was something like probably like a joke or something like an image like from a bad localization. It was like from a from a golf broadcast, I think. So nothing really valuable. But to be honest, I haven't contributed um, anything valuable at all. By the way, I'm not even posting this uh, podcast to the subreddit. So maybe I should because I'm just afraid what would be the what would be the uh the feedback um in any case nothing new on Reddit and Twitter so Twitter I was checking Twitter yesterday when I was um going to see an And what is what is the name of the doctor like food specialist like ortho something. And I was checking the Twitter. So that's and basically I discovered like new way how I can be more productive on a commute. Because every time that I every time before I start recording the podcast, I basically go over all the articles on Slater And I also go through the different uh, social platforms. And I try to go over the localization hashtags, or if there are any groups that I joined, I go through them. And so I do this everything pretty much at once. So I have to see the history of all the posts from the last week. So I think like today took me like one or no, almost two hours, I think. So this could be something more practical if I do it like every day, you know, like 20 30 minutes. And maybe I would also see those uh, posts in more detail rather than just skimming through them like I do right now. Um. So, so Twitter, there were a couple of things that caught my attention. Um one of them was this company called vocabridge that's v o c a bridge uh it's kind of like line bridge um so I saw like a lot of posts from them you know because that's that's how i just that's how i roll you know i just search for the localization hashtags and then i scroll through the posts and you know because i like recognize like if something like repeats uh then it kinda like stands out. And so this company and their Twitter account was the one that stood out because I've seen like a lot of lot of posts from them for the localization hashtag. And I took a screenshot. So I was checking them out now before the recording. And what I discovered was that they're actually very active, which is true, they, they, they post like a lot of uh, stuff, but it's not their original content. So it's usually shared stuff. I also checked their website. And the funny thing is that um, when I wanted to see their team to maybe, you know, contact the CEO and tell them that, like, or maybe like, even ask them, like, if they're planning to do like some original content, or if their strategy is just like, you know, sharing content that they find um, around the web. Uh, they our team page uh, has nothing. They're like no photos, like you don't even know like who is the CEO. So that's kind of very, very sad. Um, that They're trying to be so present on Twitter. I think they're not on LinkedIn. At least I haven't seen um, their posts on the localization hashtag on LinkedIn. So if they're spending that much time on Twitter, maybe they should just update, update their page. Because I don't know about you, but for me, like about us page or like our team, that's like one of the main things that I check, either as like a potential employee, or maybe like as a potential customer, I want to see who I'm going to deal with and whether they, the people are wearing suits, and they put on their fake Hollywood smiles, or if they look like normal people. Um, the second thing that caught my attention, and we're still in the Twitter uh, arena, that was a company called localize, and it's l o k a l i s e. And the only note that I have here is that they provide automated localization. So it kind of like fits into the agile continuous localization. I guess they have like their own solution. Or like um, their own API, I have I have no idea. Um <laughs> And unfortunately, I cannot provide more um feedback on this. I don't know even why I put it here. Anyway, the third thing that I saw there was from Venga Global. So Venga, I already mentioned them in the previous episode, when they're kind of like a chief HR person, she also does, She's also probably CFO. She shared an article where they talked about their best HR practices. So this time they shared a video about international SEO. Uh, So video, and this is actually something kind of like a hint for you and also for me, uh, because there are not many videos shared for the localization hashtag. So I think that as I was watching that I was thinking like, yeah, like I need to do like a lot more video content for the hashtag, because the only video so far that I shared on LinkedIn, I think wasn't even tagged as hashtag localization because it wasn't related to localization. But that should be like my main niche. And there's definitely opportunity for it because, as I mentioned, there are not many videos and the people that do the videos usually keep them in 16 to nine format. So they don't know how to do it the right way. And so going back to this video, uh the content was pretty good and actually when I as I was watching it like uh there was this lady talking she kinda reminded me of myself because of the quality. So she had she had a lav mic, so her quality, like the audio quality was pretty good. Her lightning was almost the same as mine, like exactly like she was standing like in front of a white wall, same as me, and she had like this little glow from like a lamp like at the bottom left side of the video, which is the same for me. Um, They also did like a little bit of like animated graphics in it to display, you know, like a website and how it flips into localized version and like why SEO is important and keywords and blah, 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 and stuff like that. So like I mean, content wise, it was pretty, pretty good video. And I was actually wondering like if Venga is like starting to uh do like more content as part of their marketing strategy um so I checked their YouTube and they actually did several videos in the last few months, so they are not very um very big on the video content, and the same lady was there in the previous videos. <clears throat> and their videos don't have that much uh, views. Besides the very first video, which is kind of like introduction to to venga global, which I would assume is probably um, embedded or like linked on their website. So that's why it has that many views. Um, So yeah, that's it for Twitter. And now, finally, moving on to LinkedIn, which I was checking just before I started recording this and there were two interesting things uh and actually from two new companies that I haven't seen and mentioned before so the first one is test bytes test bytes, and they have quite a lot, they have more than 11,000 followers on LinkedIn. Um, They are not focused on localization only, they are software testing and QA company, according to their um, LinkedIn profile. Um, But they just made like this one nice infographic about uh, successful game localization testing and it's very nice. Um, Maybe I can just read through it uh, through these tips, although I don't like that I'm just kind of like stealing their content, but hopefully it will be okay if it's just like part of the podcast. So number one, do not wait till the end of development, localize the features as per completion. So this step is pretty pretty clear, especially if and I mean, like it's 2019. So everybody should be exposed to agile software uh, by now. Uh, So we're no longer doing the waterfall. So you don't wait until like the English is fully done. uh, Because then you would have like a limited amount of time to do your whole localization process. So this is kind of kind of self explanatory. And it's kind of like obvious to me that you don't wait until the end of development and you need to do it. Um, as I don't know, for example, like as as a sprint of the game uh, completes, then you start uh, the localization localization testing, or uh, or <laughs> Yeah, well, um, I'm stuck because I'm thinking between like sprints and like how to call the other approach, which is like, um, okay, we we created these certain tickets, so let's just mark it as complete and then start like the next. Well, it's not sprint because it's not time boxed, but it's based on like certain features. Um, Okay, second step is. Uh, cross collaboration between team is important. So that's kind of obvious. That's important for everything. Uh, Tip number three, test critical business scenarios. So so I'm not sure what this means. What are the critical business scenarios? Mm, Is it something like related to like payment, for example, like when you have like a mobile app, or I guess maybe like, in your game, you have like certain Hmm. certain areas of the game, or the process of like getting people onto the game that are like, critical for the business. And they need to be tested more carefully. That's all I'm thinking right now. Tip number four, ensure there is no message, resource attributes and linguistic errors. No message? What does it mean there is no message? linguistic errors? Yeah, we get that that can happen resource attributes. Um, hmm. Tip number five, check the usability of the interface. So yeah, that's, that's pretty good and relevant to to the games. Tip number six, have a thorough idea about censorship and culture appropriateness with respect to the target audience. So yeah, this is a big thing that um, I'm by the way, I have like zero experience with with games localization. Um, so I think this is what usually we when we talk about like localization, it's like adapting to like cultural, uh, to the local culture, right, but that's like the official mm, official uh, official description of what localization means. But in practical terms, especially like if you're a project manager, you just like send it to the to the right people and you expect them to do the right job. But maybe with games, there's like a lot more that you need to do when it comes to culturally adapting your game. Step number seven include native language speakers. All right, that's pretty obvious. Um, so yeah. Um. So if you are, if you're interested, I mean, like if you're doing QA and software testing, not only for games, but in general, these guys seem to put like a lot of great content, like educational. And it's it's pretty good. Like, this is like so far the best uh, content strategy, uh, execution that I've seen so far, it's even better than Moravia. like, for example, I'm just like looking at their LinkedIn profile and their post like 50 QA interview questions to land a job. Uh, Smoke testing explanation with example, I checked that uh, article and was very good. 52 software tester interview questions that can land you the job that's kind of similar. For example, this one, 21 best programming movies, software testers must watch. That's brilliant. Software testers salary India, UK, Canada and USA 2019. Very good. So I guess no wonder why they have that many followers because they really do uh, provide great content for free. Um, And okay, I guess that's all I have to say. So I have one more thing here. And oh, actually, no, <laughs> I have two more things. I forgot about the second one. Because I didn't take a, took a, because I didn't take a, take a note. So the second thing was, and I discovered this on Twitter. And then I saw it again on LinkedIn. It's from this guy I hmm. I I added him into my into my network, but now I just totally forgot what his name was. Oh, here it is, Miguel Sepulveda PMP. So he's uh, he has his own blog called Yo Localizo, and he does like a lot of he creates a pretty very good content uh, about games, localization. And this one that caught my attention was, it's not I wouldn't call it like an infographic, it's kind of like, a, just like an image with like a lot of text. And it says localization strategies for different game genres. So he split uh well, it's actually not like a genre. I mean, okay, it could be genre. Um, so he split it into four different game genres, hyper casual games, casual games, mid core games and hardcore games. And for every type of these games, uh, he says, like, what is his experience? And like, what is the uh, requirement for localization? And this was this was pretty, pretty nice for me to learn about to learn about a different uh, how do we call it Mm, scopes? No, no, like just different localization strategies for um, for different um, different different content types or source quality. Would source quality be the right word to say this? Mm, Probably no. (laughs) Um, I'm just confusing. See, now you can see uh, how difficult it is for me to express what I'm actually thinking about. Um, So I will not read everything. Maybe I can just pick some, some things. So for hyper and, and maybe we can like try to find like a parallel with with things that I actually understand which, or I have more experience with which is like software and marketing uh, localization. So for hyper casual games, uh, it's mainly about translating uh, UI elements, uh, app store description, keywords, and it's not necessary to have a strong Setup of LSP. Okay. For casual games, one to two LSPs consolidated vendor approach is recommended. Uh, you might have random keyway sanity checks, and it's good to have glossaries. For mid-core games, the localization becomes more strategic. You need a solid terminology, style guides are crucial. Uh, Context and screenshots are essential. Okay, that's a very good point. Outsourcing model works better for scalability. Um, Different monetization scheme per country. Um, Okay, and then for hardcore games, this is where you need very high effort and cost from a localization perspective. And this is where you do voiceover, you do subtitles, you have professional translators, you need to transcreate the game story, and blah, blah, blah. So Yeah, I'm just going to shout out, I think it's called yo. So spelled y o l o c a l i z o yolo. And so this guy, I think it's hmm. So from his from his LinkedIn headline, it looked like he just mainly does his own blog but he's like a localization manager at King. And if I'm not mistaken, King is like uh, the company behind crush candy. Is that the name of the, the game? The casual one? I saw one presentation from from them at one game, the game developer conference. Okay, (laughs) I got lost again. And the third thing that I found, it was shared by some it was shared. This article was so this content was created by a company called motion point. That obviously, I mean, not obviously, they're claiming that they have a better solution for translating websites, better than uh, using connectors between CMS and TMS better than using API. And they call it somehow turn key something something. <laughs> I, I, I was trying to learn what it actually means on their website, but I wasn't successful. And so they created this content and then some other company shared it on LinkedIn. And it is about localization tips for marketers. And it's also kind of like infographic, is it infographic, it has a lot of text, it has some images here and there, but it looks very nice, like the um, the colors and uh, the images are very nice. Uh, so I'll just try to go through this quickly, or maybe not quickly. Um, so tip number one, define your target audience. And content localization isn't just about language. Uh, You need to also consider consumer behavior, uh, such as preferred payment types and shipping options. Okay, that's a good point. culture touchstones such as holiday celebrations and customs. Okay, because you might want to create like a specific marketing for certain days in the country, I guess, um, locally preferred formats for dates units. Okay, so that's kind of like a to think. Second tip is define your business goals. Uh, is your goal to increase online sales, Uh, localize all stages of your website's checkout funnel, including product information? Uh, Are you testing the viability of a new market? In that case, you might just want to limit translations to critical content only. Mm. Yeah, so this is this is a good point. I'm not, I'm not sure if we actually applied it in my experience. Mm. But yeah, like if you're like entering a new market, you probably just want to test the waters first. So you might want to reduce the scope for localization and see how the the critical uh the critical business content. uh thus first before you uh do more. Like maybe like maybe you just want to start by I don't know, test testing, like let's say you have a certain product and you want to go into, I don't know, let's say Korea, then you just might want to do like a, a website to, I don't know, to, to race awareness about your brand and your product. And at the same time, maybe you want to generate leads, but maybe you don't want to do the full sales process yet, because you're not ready to deal with the customers with their payment methods, um, with refunds with customer support and stuff like that. Um. So yeah, that's my take on that. <laughs> Uh, Tip number three, select efficient translation technology. Oh, so this is where this is, this is what I mentioned before that uh, they have this turnkey proxy solution, I'm reading it right now. And I have no idea what it means. So they also mentioned CMS connectors, API's, of course, both of them, they say, have some um, disadvantages, because of course, their solution should be the best. And it says that I'm just going to quote quote this because this is like their public material. So turnkey proxy solutions eliminate IT effort and fully handle the development, translation, and ongoing operation of the localized website. Practically all effort is removed from your team. Somehow magically. I don't know how that works, but okay uh tip number 4 approve a localized glossary and style guide and style guide um okay so uh that's kind of standard choose your translation approach this is something interesting so Conventional translation is word for word conversion of content from one language to another. But your company's content may require other types of translation, including localization. So, this is what I would consider a standard. Um, uh, next level is transcreation translating marketing copy may require this creative approach which captures the spirit of the source material but may take liberties with word choice for nuance and impact. So yeah, this would be definitely something um, uh, something recommended for like high level marketing copy. Uh, for example like taglines or I don't know your ad titles stuff like that and the third and the and the and the and the, the next level above transcreation which I think I have never heard before it's called transliteration. In some markets brand or product names should be repackaged in ways that make sense to local customers such as using wordplay to evoke a brand's aspirational qualities so not sure how this differentiates from trans creation um, but okay I guess I guess so no comments <laughs> and the last step is international SEO considerations so I coined with of talked about is a little bit when I mentioned the, the, the Venga global video about SEO. So let's see what these guys say. They say, we should translate metadata and structured data such as page titles and descriptions. That's pretty obvious. Do not embed translatable text in website images. Wait, what does this mean? Do not embed translatable text. Instead, overlay web text across images t- to make it detectable by search engines. Oh, okay. Yes. Mm. Wait, is this actually practice that's being used? Do they actually mean not to? Oh, uh, wait. Do they actually mean that? Hmm. What is this a standard practice? Well, the standard practice is that you just create like a text layer. But then when you export it, so so you create a text layer, so that it's easier to localize it, because you just localize the text layer. But then when you export it, it's still just like an image. So are they suggesting that text should not be part of the image at all, and it should just be kind of like uh, positioned over the image like with CSS. I'm not sure if I have ever seen this in some website. I don't understand this. Hmm. Because like with images, it's usually the alt text that helps search engines know what the image is about, right? Hmm. Okay. And third recommendation for their international SEO is, connect your global properties by cross linking multilingual websites, and offering intuitive language detection technology that helps ensure visitors find the localized experience they're looking for. Um, not sure what that means. Do they mean just like a um, language selector or they know like they can detect like from which country you're coming from so they automatically serve you the Website in that particular way, language. I assume that's what they meant. Um, anyway, so this was from MotionPoint.com, and I can see right below this article that they have links to more uh, articles, which also look very nice. They have very nice graphics. Oh, wow! This one is so nice. This is kind of like a. Flow chart, not flow chart, like a, how do you call it? Like the decision one, like do you need your website? Yes, no, and then you go to the next step. I don't know how this is called, like decision, decision, something, decision flow chart. <laughs> I'm going to call it that way, and it's really, really nice. Uh, let me check one more. Oh, it actually changed. Um, oh, this one, Russia. <laughs> a global snapshot of Russian speakers. Oh this is so nice. Oh this this infographic is so beautiful. Yeah. Oh beautiful. Okay, so that will be it. Motionpoint.com again. Check them out. The one before was test bytes. Uh, check them out as well. These guys do a lot of nice content. And you can learn a lot from it. So that will be it for this week's episode. I guess I'm also not also, I guess I'm already entering the 15 minute mark, as I see in my audacity. So and what is the time for me? Now for me is 10:57 pm And I actually don't want to finish. <laughs> I really like doing this. But um, I hope that I maybe I should I don't know, fuck. Um, and also, uh, by the way, I'm not swearing that much as I thought I would be, which is kind of a shame because I thought that would be my, you know, unique attribute. Uh, but for some reason, I didn't feel the necessity to to swear a lot because, like, not many things piss me off, and I just usually try to pick the the good things. Um, hmm. Maybe I should be doing like more recordings like this and just talk about stuff that I encounter at work. And by the way, I already had this idea that I just need to dump my ideas that I should just at least you know, share them like publicly on social so that maybe somebody will take an action or something. Anyway, I need to go eat something because I was eating very poorly today. So, I will stop the recording right here. I hope you enjoyed this episode <laughs> uh and yeah um stay tuned. i wanna do more content oh, and by the way, what day is it today? it's uh august duh, 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 duh. it's august august four it's August four so in less than 3 weeks I will be moving to Philippines where I'll be staying for more than a month and I also plan to have a 2 weeks vacation during this time so I hope that I won't just um uh, get into full procrastination mode, and I'll just be lying on the bed and or just going out. But I want to do a lot more content during those two weeks, because I kind of want to test how my life would be if I did content creation and dancing and being more social and going out. Um, if that would be my life kind of like 24 seven. Because I really enjoy uh, doing content, doing videos, editing, just talking, and I like and hope well, I don't get that much like response from people consuming the content. But I still like the process. And if I got like more a little bit more feedback, um, then it would be even more engaging and rewarding. Um, (laughs) Okay, now I'm just talking bullshit. So I'm going to stop right here. Thank you very much for listening. This was the localization podcast. Episode number five. Uh, Thank you and I will talk to you in a one week. Bye.